It's just right. Trump. Right, exactly. You don't need like, to you be need... subversive about it at this point. <laughs> it's Bannon. Right. It's this Bannon dude. Yeah. There's there's your conspiracy, man. That guy that guy is messed up. Yeah, bad news. <sighs> That's pretty much all I've been uh, into. Oh, okay. The Trump stuff. Um so I had a I had a few things that I want to talk about. Um, I don't know really where to go in what order, so I'll just start. Yeah, whichever talking. you want. There was a pop song in 2016. Um, all I knew was that Rihanna sang it, and then I would hear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like there's a a. Uh, it's called Santa's Enchanted Garden in South Florida. That uh-huh. it's like Santa's en- Enchanted Forest, forest, not garden, forest. It's like a Dean Koontz novel setting waiting to happen. It's not even like high class enough to be Stephen King. Right. It's just like this. I don't know if it's there year round, but it's just a huge uh, carnival with an RV park in the middle where mm. like all the employees live. <laughs> and then you have like a super racist clown in the dunk tank, mm-hmm. you know, and horrible food all lining up. It's like three miles long. I mean, the place is a nightmare. It's terrible. Um, they had a seal show. I was like, are those seals kept in the back of like an F one fifty? Like it's poor seals. Uh. And so, um, I heard this song there. I hear the song in the mall. I hear the song like from other people's cars. It's Rihanna song? Well, I, I, cause I, I, yeah, it's, it's, she is featured on it. It's actually this guy, Calvin Harris. Oh yeah. This is what you came for. This is what you yeah. came for. Mm-hmm. So you know the song too, right? Yeah. Because, um, I think Julia played it for the girls once and then. What'd they say? Oh, they loved it. I mean, they uh, love pretty much everything okay and so i had to listen to it i've probably heard it at least a hundred times okay all i have to say is this one one observation Mm -hmm. does it sound to you like it sounds to me like the whole song was compiled off of rihanna doing this into a microphone uh (laughs) and he basically took her one uh Sure. And just modulated it to make the words that she says. Yeah. And then that chorus is just like him just pitching yeah. the dun dun dun. That's the dun. style though. That's the stuff. Like, is that really the the hit song of twenty sixteen? Like <laughs> it just depressed me. Yeah, it's one of them, I'm sure. And then it depressed me too how much it got in my freaking head. Like I couldn't get it out of my head yeah well that's like that i had that same moment watching that judah and the lion performance on conan please please talk about judah and the lion. so it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's like you discover something sort of accidentally and and it just like it didn't change my I think I've been struggling a lot this year, especially. Maybe this is something that you struggle with as you get older. Um, I think is evidenced maybe by older people being a little bit more closed-minded. 
to generalize greatly. But as I'm getting older, I'm finding it harder and harder to believe and understand and realize just how many different people there are in the world, Mm -hmm. right? It's like in our area, especially, it's like they're building houses everywhere all the time. Houses, apartment complexes, condos, townhomes, everywhere they're going up. And every time I see one, I'm just like, who is going to live in these places? (laughs) And obviously somebody is. Where are they going to work? They're constantly building them, right? Yeah. And so this Judith, so I'm doing data entry. I'm like, I'm like doing data entry at work. I, I'm go, I go through my, uh, my news feed or whatever. And, uh, I see a news article for like, uh, drive by truckers perform on Conan. I think it was Conan. So, uh, I click on that. And as that's playing in the background, I keep doing my data entry. That song ends and then it auto plays this Judah and the Lion thing. And I'm like in the middle of putting a work order in. So I'm just like not even going to bother. And then it starts playing. And I'm just like, I have to stop <laughs> everything I'm doing and go back <laughs> to the video to see what is going on. Because I can't believe what I'm hearing. Not only can I not believe what I'm I then can't believe that this is a act that is on national television that millions of people listen to. And I'm just like, who are the millions of people listening to this? I can't like, it is so beyond bad like it's like i i just don't get the appeal of it at all outside of like okay maybe i get like four 12 to like 14 year olds would, would love this but like that doesn't seem like a big enough demographic to me to get on conan right so that to me that was the moment that was the rihanna this is what you came for for me was judah and the lion and whatever that terrible song is called and do you know what their album is called it's called folk hop and roll right because because they're a mixture of folk music hip-hop and rock and roll Uh. (laughs) their their hip-hop is offensive i think it's the whole thing is offensive uh, yeah i mean and not only that the lyrics make no no sense sense whatsoever they make no sense at all yeah you sent me that video and i and i watched it and yeah i there's music that you don't get and there's music that is actually you're you're like this is a and i i don't use this lightly it's a hate crime you know <laughs> like it really is like if i just the the little bit that i i appreciate rap music offended me <laughs> deeply <laughs> deeply um so yeah, I, I always think about that, but I, I always think like, where are these people going to work? Do, do they know how hard it is to get a job? Well, yeah, no, yeah, I think the same thing. Think about that, and I, and I, I mean, but most of the time, I can't, I can't even get that far. I just, I can't even get to like who, how do these people exist? Yeah. Uh, now the, on the positive side, J J Som. Yeah. I really like. You it. like it? Yeah. Uh, did you just see her on Pitchfork? I saw it on, I think so. I saw somewhere, uh, I saw a headline. And the headline was enough for me to be like, just go into my Apple Music app and listen to her album. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. Yeah, she's like the female uh, Mac DeMarco. Yeah. What did you think? Have you listened to his new songs? I did. What do you think? I, I like I'm it. sure you love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's right up your alley. Exactly. The people on his subreddit, there are people on his subreddit who are flipping out 
because they're like, where's the jangly guitar? <laughs> like, why is he so serious? <laughs> he seems so sad. <laughs> like, there are people on the subreddit, f- like, flipping out over it. Not in a good way. Yeah, that makes me like even. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just kind of reminds me, it reminded me of, like, having those same feelings when I was, you know, in my 20s, probably, in a music act that I was unnaturally, like, had tied myself to was changing and I'd be like, I just want the, I just want him to keep doing the same thing forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> just give me the jangly guitar. Yeah. Um, so something else, I guess I wanted to, to get your take on this might have to be for our next show. Sure. But I heard about this podcast, the mysterious secrets of uncle birdie's botanarium. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted it at, or, t- or I texted you. Uh huh. Any, chance did you give it even i i imagine that when you do if you have given it a chance you you made it 45 seconds now i listened to 15 minutes of it oh 15 minutes and then just like i appreciate what they're doing not for me so um are you a fan of monty python yeah i mean i was in college i have not watched you know the holy grail since college so well over probably fifth probably about 15 years um i think elise just opened up to the idea of uh watching it again Mm -hmm. she hated like it that was a huge impact on our relationship like i love (laughs) i love monty Uh, python i i used to have all of the flying circus right on vhs i remember that was like a prized I moved all my books off my bookshelf so I could just make room for the 45 right. VHS cassettes that I needed. Um, but this is, this makes me think like if Monty Python were around today, mm-hmm. uh, this would be the podcast they would make. Mm-hmm. And the humor is basically here's a funny accent, here is aristocratic, like old timey language. Yeah. And people pretending to be old men getting upset about ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. And that is like, that's just everything I want in the world. Sure. Like, there's a lot of um, thrashing in it. Mm-hmm. Did you get to a thrashing scene? Where, I'm not sure. I think I did. Where uh, the main character, which is Jermaine Clement from right. uh, Flight of the Concords, uh, gets offended and he thrashes some uh, scientists mm-hmm. and there's some high pitched squeals in, mm-hmm. in response that are just like that to me, that's the height of wit is just a high pitched yell right. sure. in response to a thrashing. So, um, I want to put in a, a huge plug for the mysterious secrets of uncle birdie's botanarium, but understand that literally is just, it's, it's just, accents and funny voices yeah um i was a huge fan of that um been reading anything uh i started a short book (laughs) whatever those are called (laughs) i started reading some words and they're still going i I don't know how long they're gonna keep going for but i'm still reading uh, novella after giving up on the terror, right? Ooh, that actually did scare <laughs> me. Wait, so so I know I recommended that to Rob, who gave up yeah. on it. You gave up too. Yeah. 
What, I, why? I, I just can't get past the pretense, right? I can't get out of my own head while reading it. The entire time, literally the entire time I'm reading it, I'm like, how does he know this? How does he know this? How does he know this? Is this true? Is this made up? Is this true? How does he know it if it's true? Is it made up? Why did he make it up? Why is he making up weird sexual stuff <laughs> if he's not making it up? Like, why is he including it? Because he has to know that people are going to be questioning why he's including sexual stuff and how he knows that. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't get out of the analyzing the nonfiction-esque nature okay, of it. Okay, I want to I follow this really quick sidebar. I watched a movie called Christine. And last year, there are two films made about Christine Chubbuck, who was a, a f- news anchor in Florida who committed suicide live on air yeah. mm-hmm. in the 70s. So uh, one is this fictional film called Christine. Another one is a docu-fiction. Uh, it's called Kate Plays Christine, and mm-hmm. it follows an actress who signs up to play a role in a movie, and it kind of shows you both. It shows her trying to prepare for the role and then also like what they film as the mm-hmm. fiction. Um, I watched Christine, and... The issue that I have with films like Christine, and then there's the other film that we talked about on here about the fast food, the uh, guy who called in to like a uh-huh. McDonald's yeah. or whatever and got the right. uh, supervisor to basically do a cavity search on an employee, a female mm-hmm. employee, because he said that he was a police officer and, and made her follow orders. Um, but uh, in, in that film, I had, I had the same problem, which was what is real and what's fiction and why didn't you just make a fictional story about like in the case of Christine, they're walking you through her day and all the days leading up to this decision. This is back in the 70s. They historically, I from my understanding, don't have a lot of footage of her. And so this seems to be like a fictional take on a real event. Mm -hmm. And I just kept wondering, like, what does the real event lend this? That if you said, I'm going to make a movie about a depressive, you know, woman who commits suicide on air. I don't, I don't know what you're, what you're losing. You don't call her Christine Chubbuck and you don't, make allusion to the real life event but then you get to explore the character however you want you don't Mm. have to worry about tying them to a to a history and i don't i can't i can't vet you i don't have the resources to be like what was christine chubbick's life like what did you know her co-workers say about her like you know i mean i find that do do you have the same reaction am i hitting your general reaction uh, yeah i think i have the same reaction uh, but i think the reason why i can't get through the terror but i can get through you know something like that is is just the medium itself like like you know books and probably video games are the only mediums that i have to work in order to get the story right like if I'm watching a movie, all I have to do is sit in a chair and watch. Like the movie's going to happen regardless of what I do. But if I sit down with a book, right, I'm not going to get anything until I actually read it. Or if I sit down with a game, 
I'm not going to get anything from it until I actually start playing it. I have to move it forward myself. I think we just cracked while you fall asleep <laughs> right, at movies exactly. so much. It's because you just do treat them <laughs> passively. You're just like, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. Keep me but, awake. <laughs> but this story's going to happen without me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, that's why I have such a hard time with the terror. And like I said before, I read slow, and so I'm constantly like looking at this, and I just, every sentence, I'm just like, How's he know this? Oh man, <clears throat> I the, the the terror is a big book, but it got me out of a reading slump. Mm-hmm. I read that thing so fast, like I, I loved it because the the story as researched is just going to be, hey, here are these characters that we know a little bit about based on the letters that they wrote, mm-hmm. and the the ship goes into the uh, North Pole area and gets stuck in the ice and everyone yeah. disappears the end but he definitely goes stephen king with mm-hmm. it and i i loved that blending i i love that book and I, I definitely got to some of those parts but i was but it just confused me even more because mm-hmm. i was like the lead up to it is like okay this is building up like it's like a monster movie mm-hmm. right but this is a true story mm-hmm. so i just was confused yeah i loved it okay so you stopped reading that, but you're reading a short. I'm reading a short book called. A short, why am I calling it a short book? Called Good Night Moon. Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm reading a 200 something page book called The Fortress at the End of Time. And it's about. Uh, look, I've only read a couple pages. It's a, <laughs> but from what I understand, it's about like a. Uh, it takes place in the future, uh, which I think is probably easy to get well. The end the of final. time, yeah. Um, it takes place in the future, and it follows a clone. So basically, uh, it follows a clone who's been sent to a fortress at the end, at the end of, of t- the universe, right? Uh-huh. Like basically, like you were bad, go to your Siberian outpost or whatever. Except in space, that's my understanding. And that was enough to like that coupled with and it's really good was enough for me to get it on my Kindle for five bucks. And and then I promptly read three or four pages and I haven't picked it up for a month. Oh, (laughs) Uh, I just finished The Girl with All the Gifts. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about that? Did I tell you about that? You mentioned it, but I don't know anything about it. It's a it's a film that's available right now on direct TV. Um, but it's a zombie story Mm -hmm. and I super enjoyed it. Um, it, it really does tell a zombie story in a new way, which I think is a feat in Mm -hmm. and of itself to actually find a, a new take, really interesting take. And it's a book that nails the ending, which is so much harder to do than I think, you know, it it appears. Mm-hmm. Uh and I it's been a while since I've read a book that left me probably not since um uh oh crap. Can't believe I'm blank. I loved it. It was my favorite book of two years ago. David Fincher made the movie with Ben Affleck. Oh, Gone Girl? Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah. Not since the ending of Gone Girl was I left like at the end being like, wow, that's mm-hmm. that's the way to finish 
a story. Did you ever read Gone Girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I picked up the guy's second book, Fellside, mm-hmm. about a... So I immediately, like, I stopped. I finished Girl with All the Gifts. Um, Going to watch the movie. And then now I'm reading Fellside. Fellside is a little... It's, it seems like it's what I'd like, which is a woman goes to like a prison or like a psychiatric prison and is uh, kind of haunted by a ghost mm-hmm. there. So again, anything that kind of mixes genres or like Shutter Island type is what right. I kind of got the feeling of. Yeah. I got super excited, but it's, it's a little, it's moving a little slow. But I am enjoying it, um, but it's definitely not not as gripping as The Girl with All the Gifts. Mm-hmm. But I would highly recommend that one, or maybe we should watch the movie. Yeah. So you haven't watched the movie yet? Yeah. I haven't been doing anything except my destiny addiction has been Is replaced... It back? With an Overwatch addiction. Oh, I thought All I, thought I saw you playing Destiny playing, the other day. I played the other night for the first time in uh, probably two months with the regular group of uh, guys that I played with before. And we played for a couple hours. Uh, and it was fine. But it's gotten a little uh, stale. And since then, I've jumped into Overwatch. And I've just been playing competitive overwatch and i just it's like something about like i guess with uh, i i mean obviously it's just my personality i can't help myself right but with destiny it was kind of like a i think with destiny it was a mix of like actually getting better but there's also that aspect of like getting better gear mm-hmm. the possibility of it and with overwatch it's hey here's a number Make your number higher. <laughs> and you're just like, and I'm, I'm going like, to freaking get my number higher. Right? <laughs> so that's yeah. all I've been doing. That and, oh, I have been building that retro pie, which I've been working yeah. on for like a month now, trying to get everything like exactly the way I want it. And it's been, uh, it started off as a real pain in the ass. And it started, and, and after the first couple of weeks, I was just like, I'm done with this thing. Nintendo just sell me a console where I can buy all of the games. I, I will pay all money to buy all of your old games. Just give me that console, right? Right. And then, I don't know, I got something something welled up in me and I got the nerve to try again. And then I actually figured it out. And so now I've just been tweaking it. So I'm, I'm coming over for Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yeah. All right. I want, I want to see your setup. Yeah. What? Yeah. But right now it's just it's the Raspberry Pi. I got two wireless SNES controllers, mm-hmm. and uh, I've also started getting PlayStation games, which I haven't actually done anything with yet. But I'm not I'm I'm not certain how well the SNES controllers will work with those. They don't have enough buttons, first of all. <laughs> uh, but I think I can still use just my Xbox controller. Mm-hmm. But uh, so far the girl, I mean, I, I did it mainly for the girls, right? And they've, sure. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not, uh, they're still not really old enough to figure it out, uh-huh. but they're 
like playing the fighting games. Yeah. <laughs> because all you have to do is just smash buttons. Exactly. Um All right, I'm I'm really interested to see your to see your setup. I honestly yeah. don't know. I've seen some like I have the the mini console. Right. And then I saw people like hack hack this and it's like I don't even know. Yeah. You might as well just put it in uh wingdings right you know like i don't know what you're saying well and i haven't looked into it but the last i heard when it first came out people were like there's it's going to be impossible the only way you'll be able to add games to the class to the is it the mini is if you solder on chips and stuff. i was like well i will never be doing that <laughs> yeah and but then people were saying you could do it i haven't looked into it but like with the the, the most frustrating thing about i think the raspberry pi the retro pi is that nothing is in one place there's yeah. not one place I can go to to figure out what my problem is. I have to type my problem into Google three or four times until I get the wording right or I get the terminology right because I don't know what I'm talking about to begin with. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to like a GitHub page. Okay, here's a Reddit post. Here's some random forum post. Which one of these is right? Because they all have kind of different information. <laughs> and, and a lot of it too is like, oh, it's easy. This is what you have to do. And then I'm like, okay. I have no idea what any of that means. So now I'm searching for this to figure out what this means. And then it just is like, right. But at this point I figured out all of the major stuff. I've got everything running and looking really good. Now I'm just trying to get like small tweaks down and like individual games that I can't get to work. Um, because with like the older systems, it's a simple like you just download this file and it works. But like with like arcade games, there's a bunch of different arcade emulators and each one uses different types of ROMs or ROM sets and in their own there's then there's each version of there's different versions of each it just is so absurd and like obtuse. It just is like Yep. A lot of work. Yeah, I we got one for indie and I just don't I need to get a monitor mm-hmm. and a keyboard mm-hmm. so I can actually like type in and see right. the commands and stuff. Yeah. And I've been kind of dragging my feet because I honestly, I know it's going to be a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, but I, I really want to get it set up for him so we can, so he can start, you know, so he loves, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to put in a plug for the good place. Okay. That is a kind of sitcom E, uh, NBC show that just got renewed for season two. Mm -hmm. And what finally got me interested were, you know, people got really excited about it being renewed. And then some people that I follow on Twitter were kind of, re-record like being like it's really good and it seemed it was with Kristen bell and um and i'm losing my freaking ted danson Mm -hmm. and uh it it just looked generic i you know based on the previews Mm -hmm. and stuff um but elise and i started it and it's really good drew uh goddard directed the first episode oh really yeah who did cabin in the woods and mm-hmm. so it's definitely like mixing genres in a way that i that i'm really interested in mm-hmm. and somebody compared it to 
uh, it was like, you know, sitcom, um, plus pushing daisies, which I really like Mm -hmm. plus lost. And they're like equals the good place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I haven't gotten the lost. Yeah. I was going to say, is it like mysterious? Well, that's the thing. It's so well constructed that you could really take it anywhere. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that I've seen a show, and, and again, I saw somebody else reference this. Very rarely do you watch a show and you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, Is there a laugh track? No. So it's not really a sitcom? It's not. It's not, it's, it's, and it's not because like, when I think sitcom, I think laugh track. And I tried oh no. to watch those new Netflix sitcoms, and it oh. was like, it, it had been so long since I had actually watched a network sitcom that was like, at this this medium is not for me. I'm saying sitcom because I'm not well versed enough in the world sure. of TV to know what else to call it. It's a single cam. I've heard people say that before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not before a live audience or anything. So they so, do like interviews. So basically, basically it's, uh, the, the, the show opens on someone's eye mm-hmm. like lost. lost. Mm hmm. And, uh, what if that was the only criteria to be like, lost? that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like lost and that opens on an eye. <laughs> Everything else is totally not like it. But, uh, um, and it's Kristen Bell who finds out from Ted Danson that she's died and uh, you either go to, okay, so the lost meets the sixth sense. Right. right. So you either go to the good place or uh, the bad place. Right. And she has made it into the good place. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> Ted Danson is the architect of her good place. So each good place has uh, like an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So he got to design like the town that they're all living in. They each get houses built to their own kind of interests. And then they are, they are matched with a soulmate that they are going to spend eternity with. Mm-hmm. And... There's a ton of frozen yogurt places and everything seems great. Um, the twist is that Kristen Bell doesn't deserve to be there. She's actually a terrible person. Mm-hmm. She was a terrible person and actually still is. And she confesses that to her soulmate and tries to get him to agree to help her become a good person mm-hmm. so she can keep living here and not go to the bad place. Um they then kind of pile some stuff on top of that where they have some other characters that are just kind of like they're, they're grading. And it's interesting because it's the good place. Mm -hmm. So really no one should be grading to you as the viewer either. Right. And in the show they're identified as like that person's really grading, but they're also like grading because they're just like overly positive and nice. But it's like, so you, you get the sense that even there, the, the scales are off. Like, the seeds of discord are already kind of built in, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. And then however far they want to go. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's funny though. Yeah. Right now. And they're, they're just kind of, we're, we're only a few episodes in. Um, but, uh, I, I'm actually a really big fan of the good place. Did you see the Stephen Colbert, Ricky Gervais clip where they debate? The I did. I did. Did you see did that? Did you watch it? Yes. Yeah, I did. It's like, We've got a four-minute uh, segment. What can yeah. we talk about here? Well, and and the other thing that frustrates me is, like, Stephen Colbert is a thoughtful guy. Yeah. I think he went for the most 
obvious. It was almost like a setup. Mm-hmm. Like he was just kind of like yeah. setting Ricky Gervais. But I, as soon as he started talking, I was like, really, Stephen, that's where you're going to start this conversation. Like, why is there something? Mm-hmm. Why is it? He just keeps repeating it. Why is there something over nothing? Why is there something over yeah. nothing? Why is there something over nothing? And, I like that first. You can see Ricky Gervais isn't really following well, I mean, him. It, look, yeah, exactly. Like, like I'm dumb enough to where he started saying that. I, I was thinking like, no, 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 no. You're supposed to say, why is there nothing over something? Because Gervais believes in nothing. I didn't exactly. realize he was talking about the actual world. <laughs> exactly. You can see Ricky Gervais being like, wait, wait, I'm not tracking. Why is there nothing over something? Yeah. Why is there something over nothing? Yeah. Uh, and so, and so when he finally like articulated his point. And then, of course, in that setup, like, you're there for the guest. So, I mean, Stephen Colbert isn't going to be like, hey, Ricky, let me interrupt your three-minute monologue and right. uh, jump in here. But, uh, you know, I, I really actually liked what Ricky Gervais said where he was like, listen, if you, if you wipe, mm-hmm. scrub everything clean in terms of religion and science, yeah. science is going to come out pretty much looking like science it. Science comes back. Right. Looking same. like it does. Right. And religion is not. Right. Now, that's where I think you could have gotten into a real interesting discussion because you you have like that that's where I find uh, I'm trying I'm trying for us not to maybe get into a, f- a really deep four minute segment on sure. like whatever but uh, I find it interesting when you look at uh, proofs of God philosophic or whatever else that. There is something to the to the claims of scripture and their veracity that have been um that that don't speak against their own validity, you know? So people can take issue with like the seven day creation, mm-hmm. which you know, it's it's all in the context of genre and literature and how the authors were writing, like, I don't believe in a literal seven day creation. I don't think that the Bible negates a belief in evolution. I don't think the Bible negates, uh, a, a belief in same sex marriage or that the Bible dictates morality Mm -hmm. in the way that many people interpret it. Right. Like I actually, think that the truth of scripture is much more universal and broad in its scope than what people focus it on, right? Mm-hmm. They want to make the Bible say like, you can't drink, you know, because right. they don't want that in their, usually in their children's lives. It's not, they can drink all they want. They just yeah. don't want the next generation to do that or whatever. So, but the Bible, and you can argue that some of it is maybe just people just saying like, Oh, I'll just interpret around that. But the Bible actually makes some pretty, you know, uh, drastic claims in terms of archaeology and stuff like that mm-hmm. that have proven to be like true. Like you can go back if we just look at the uh, archaeological or the historical record. We do have, you know, testimony of Jesus. We do have these places that have been identified and traced to, you know, the early church, to um, uh, testimonies of Paul, of Christ himself, from secular historians. 
I abs I actually got interested in like what if you did try and piece together the story of the Bible from the historical, archaeological, and um historical records? What mm-hmm. would you come up with? I actually think just from my knowledge of history in the early church, I actually think we would come up with something very like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um I think that there is a uh I think that you would lose the canonical scriptures, um, but I think that the story of Christ would actually still hold true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I actually, I, I kind of want Stephen to, to, to push back a little bit and say, like, well, I mean, we, we wouldn't just recollect the, the scientific record. We actually would kind of piece together again the, the historical record, and religions would come back. Like, mm-hmm. You know, the other thing too is like M- <clears throat> Mormonism was created, you know, within the the, the birth of America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could to- you could do away with the Book of Mormon, and then just still come back with the Book of Mormon. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I I think I think that that is actually a, a further conversation that's that's very interesting. But but you know, if you did compile compile scriptures, I actually think. I actually think that they hold true in, in terms of a, of a historical record interpretation. Um, moving on. Yeah. We saw La La Land. <laughs> I you, this is this is a this is a raw nerve of mine. Uh, <laughs> so please tell me um, what did you think of La La Land? It's just not a movie for me. That's all. Okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Let me uh let me get on my high horse. Okay. Are you willing to admit that Ryan Gosling cannot sing or dance? No. Your high horse has no legs then. I am fine with somebody saying a movie is not for them. Totally valid. Mm-hmm. I can't force you to experience something that you didn't experience. But when people try and, and make a movie claim more than it's claiming drives me insane. And so with La La Land, that movie has been co-opted through the lens of so many different people that I don't understand how, you know, somebody can watch that and say, and walk away saying, white savior movie about jazz. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then I love, in La La Land, like, I watched some people posted, like, look at the camera moves, you know, to make this happen. And they show them, like, filming the opening dance routine. Mm-hmm. They show them like doing the whip pans. Like there's a scene where it's whipping back and forth from Emma Stone to like right. Ryan Gosling playing the piano. And you think like, oh, that's digital. But it's like the director patting the cameraman on the back as he like spins to Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. and spins to Emma Stone, right? Like these are people like putting forth like real effort to like create this thing, mm-hmm. right? This, this film. And then for you to like watch it and be like, whatever, man, it's a total like 
white savior film mm-hmm. or uh, it totally misrepresents jazz. Right. I want to be like, like, can we talk about the camera moves then? Like, what are you, t- <laughs> what are you watching? You know, like, just like relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this movie, like these guys are like, this cameraman's like giving it his all to like make this scene like kinetic and like alive. And you're just sitting back being like, Emma Stone isn't a singer, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. That's mm-hmm. not the point of the film. You know what I mean? Like, for me, the point is like the emotion of it, you know? Either you're getting caught up in the emotion or you're not. But you're not getting the reason you're not getting caught up in the emotion is not because it's misrepresenting jazz music to you. It's because this director has made movies about jazz and clearly has feelings about it. Mm -hmm. And you think he's pretentious. Right. And your own pretension is like causing you to be like, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, like this guy's an idiot. He doesn't Mm -hmm. get it. You know what I mean? I don't know why people waste their energy on that. Like there's so many other things that we could be giving our energy to like hating or other movies that are like not good or not well made. But Mm -hmm. this is clearly like people really trying. And then for you to like call them out on the carpet and be like, do you realize how tone deaf your movie is to the current climate of, you know, uh, politics and jazz music? It's Mm -hmm. like, no, I mean, I mean, I can, I can imagine like, what if, what if the filmmaker was like, no, I not really like, then what's your retort? Like, right. I knew it. You're an idiot. Right. No, yeah. the, the film still can bring other people like joy and pleasure. So it didn't bring you doesn't mean you have to turn into a think piece. Sure. Yeah. Um, I did not get that deep into it. Like I said, it wasn't for me. Ugh. I didn't enjoy a single second watching it. You I didn't enjoy out. a single second. It's just, it, it just the, the story, the, the story is not for me. The genre of film is not for me. It just was not did my you, thing. Did you fall asleep? No, I did not fall asleep. And the ending didn't work for you? Just this kind of, what could be this misconnection? Um, just kind of. No, I thought, I liked the ending. I mean, I think yeah. the ending was well done. Right. And I, I like the, I liked what he did with it, but I wasn't like invested in the characters at all. I didn't really care about their relationship to begin with. Have you ever thought about, you know, what if our meeting actually made our lives incredibly worse? What if, what if you know what I mean? Like, what if, like, the person closest to you... What are you, you trying to say, Keith? Well, yeah, I'm thinking, like, you know, have we both clipped each other's wings? And, uh, you know, we're, we're just, like, satisfied to sit in a corner and kind of talk about uh-huh. whatever that if we were both more lonely and didn't have that outlet that we would write of the, the next acerbic American novel <laughs> because you know what I mean? We don't have an outlet, but it's like, yeah, you know, Keith and I have this podcast, so right. we're doing exactly. something. We're yeah. doing our part. Yeah. That's what I tell myself. But then in reality, I cut that thing out. Right. And then I just sit on my ass for another three months. I don't exactly. do anything extra. Exactly. I just spend more time doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. Right? Exactly. Uh, with that being said, uh, I want to throw one last uh, uh, recommendation. Okay. I think I'm just trying to hit everything. So we've talked TV. <laughs> we movies. also watched the uh, 
the hustler and the color of money back to back. I don't know why, but I saw the color of money on HBO oh. and I was like, I wonder if I can watch the hustler first and the hustlers on Netflix. So I watched the hustler and then flipped over to HBO and watched the color of money. And Julia loved the hustler did not like the color of money. Really? Nope. The mu- I think the music was too much for her. Uh, and the music uh, is, I liked it, but it is nonstop in The Color of Money. Listen, you are And weren't... Tom Cruise in The Color of Money. She didn't care for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. I uh, talk about constant music. I watched Rats. So I saw this list of like great documentaries that you mm-hmm. missed in 2016 or whatever. Right. And so I was like, oh, I, I'm up for a good documentary. And I started working through that list a little bit. And the two top picks that I chose based on their recommendations were like the worst documentaries yeah. I could have I could have chosen to watch. One is called Rats by Morgan Spurlock. Have you heard about this? Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> it's about rats. Uh-huh. It's, it is. It's, and it's done by Morgan Spurlock. And it's done by Morgan Spurlock, who... Is not in front of the camera. Okay. Which does he do any voiceover? No. He's not in it at all. No. Wow. It's a horror movie. Oh, it's a movie. It's a documentary. Oh, okay. But it's a movie. <laughs> right. And it's a joke. Uh-huh. It it is talk about constant freaking score. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop. Of like it has like violins just going like crazy. And everything is a jump scare. Somebody says like, and then I turned on the light and I saw a rat. It's like, <laughs> dun. And then it's like, jump cuts and and like it, it's it's like The Shining. It's like mm-hmm. he took The Shining's aesthetic and then applied it to a documentary about rats. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the information is basically just like amping you up more about rats and how they're going like destroy us and spread disease and how our whole society is going to collapse because of rats and every talking head is just more and more out hysterical about rats yeah and uh it it is hilarious in in how it treats the subject it's like if he doesn't make a horror movie after this, what I don't know what he did that for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he it basically feels like somebody who's like, I want to try out some horror movie ideas, see if they work. Because he, he does it all, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's terrible. And it's on Netflix. And you should watch, literally watch 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it is that score. Literally, like there's not one second where it's not like, crescendoing violins and like loud booming noises Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy it literally is crazy yeah um and then introducing princess shaw is on netflix i think too Mm -hmm. another one i saw which is basically there's this uh youtube guy named cootie man cutty man and basically he just like compiles clips from youtube and puts together songs Mm -hmm. and he watched the, you know, this lady named princess Shaw and she would sing these acapella songs 
and just post him to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then this documentarian went and started filming her. Cootie Man is in Israel. She lives in, I forget where she lives. Brooklyn. No. Somewhere like that? No, actually. In like the Midwest? Texas. Oh, okay. I think Texas. She goes to Atlanta for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, it may not be Texas. Oh, I, I forgot. But anyway, <laughs> she's great. But apparently this document, like she doesn't know that he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And this documentary is cutting between her and him compiling her clips together to make yeah. a song. So I started thinking early on, how is this documentarian filming her? What did he say to her? Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, saw your YouTube videos. Um, just want to follow you around. Is that okay? <laughs> and then Cootie Man doesn't tell her, doesn't contact her. He just puts the song together and posts it on YouTube. Right. And this documentarian doesn't tell her. And they just like show her finding it in Atlanta. Again, they don't show you, tell you how. Mm-hmm. But it probably had to be the documentarian. He's like, Hey, why don't you open YouTube really quick? Uh, check your, uh, check your activity or whatever, you know. Mm. And then it follows her reacting to it, and then she gets to go over to Israel and she performs the one song that he made for her live to like, you know, he's he's doing like a, a show for his music or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she goes back to work, you know, in poverty, and uh, the documentary ends. I'm like. So, <laughs> so you two conspired to create, a, make one of her songs into a real song, mm-hmm. make a documentary about her, and then I checked, like, he's doing other projects. Like, yeah. he's not like, now it's him and Princess Shaw traveling the world. Mm-hmm. Like, they basically were like, here's a song. For you. See ya. <laughs> and, you know, it shows her like breaking down and crying because she's like reading, you know, the and people are like, you're the next Beyonce. Uh, you better get an agent. You're going to blow up. Mm-hmm. And the video has a million views, but it's n- also not her video. Right. Like, and Cootie Man, whatever, has like this thing where he's like, I do, do not make money off of this. This is just an artistic project. No one makes money off of it. Like, so you can't sue me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, like, even now I'm struggling to articulate yeah. all the ways that is just, like, exploitative mm-hmm. of this person. Who, again, is great. Like, it go and, and she opens up to the camera about her abuse, mm-hmm. what she's had to live through, you know, poverty, her car breaks down and somebody steals all the tires off of it while this is all going on. Mm-hmm. And, but, hey, doggone it, she got to sing a song in Israel. Right. So isn't that great? Yeah. And people are like saying like, oh, it's a feel good document. Feel good about what? About the 15 minutes of fame that, that yeah. somebody gave sure. her unknowingly? They didn't even let her prepare for it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That that's on Netflix? Oh, that's on Netflix. Yeah. There's a must see. See, I just don't know how you have time for all that. I just don't have time for any of it. Um, I'm also playing Witcher 3. Yeah, you said you're almost done with Witcher 3. <laughs> yeah. Talk about obsession. And done as in like the main storyline or like 100% 
I'm never going to 100% yeah. that game. So you've just been doing the main storyline? You haven't mm-hmm. been doing side quests? Oh, no. I've been doing... I've done, like... Right now, I'm at the end. Mm-hmm. Out of all the side quests, and when you get to the end, some people are moved into positions where, like, they'll die, so you won't ever be able to, like, finish their side quests. Yeah. So anything that you haven't done that's, like, a secondary quest will automatically get moved to incomplete. Like, you'll never get to complete that. Ooh. Oh, man, that would drive me crazy. I only lost one. Okay. That's how many I've done, like, everything. I, I would not be able to live with myself if I didn't do that one. <laughs> that well, would that they, would be an instant uninstall for me. They, they force you to save the game before you do that. Oh, okay. Like, they, like, it's not like recommend it. It takes you to the save screen. It's like, create another save right now. Mm-hmm. You can always go back and complete those other things because as soon as you go into this, you're going to see your incompletes be like, bling, <laughs> like just, you'll never get those. Yeah. Uh, and I'm playing with Chris. Chris is giving it a shot to 100% it. Uh-huh. Like he's been using like a achievement guide and yeah. kind of going through. Um, and and we're, we're at the same place. But uh, it it's, it's as good as people say, mm-hmm. especially if you like Skyrim and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, if I wasn't doing this, I probably would have, beaten the game officially tonight Mm -hmm. but we got it uh like on sale with all the dlc right like 20 bucks or something and i've gotten i i have to be close to like 100 hours yeah um that's good and one other game has been dominating my time have you heard of do you like dungeon like fortress defense stuff um on my phone yeah on my phone, I've been playing, it's called Dungeon Warfare. Mm-hmm. You heard about it? Mm-mm. It is like 8-bit graphic. It sounds like they literally just mashed up two games together. Dungeon, Dungeon Warfare. Warfare. <laughs> my, my, my quick plug for this is it has the most satisfying tower defense mechanics that I've ever faced in a, in a game mm-hmm. because the the defenses that you have are like <laughs> you have a catapult floor is one. You have just a wall that will push people. <laughs> and some of these dungeons have like huge like craters. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, build it. So you're kind of like funneling everybody to this one small strip and then just put a row of like moving pushing walls Uh and then you just see just hundreds of guys like trying (laughs) to like get past this like little narrow ledge and then just your entire wall just like just sweep them off right and it is the most satisfying it's like the coin thing in chuck e cheese where you can just like Imagine uh-huh. seeing all those coins in one swoop. Sure. Just tumble. And the catapult thing, you can like, you know, again, like force them all there. And you can put some things in their way where they like bunch up. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, <laughs> see, like a hundred people get thrown into a canyon. And yeah. uh, it is, it, it is like a huge stress reliever. And uh, I've been playing that and just like, like I'll play it. It'll be the last thing I'll do before I go to bed mm-hmm. because it's just so 
satisfying. That wall sweep thing, I can't. <laughs> it's worth the. I don't know how much it is, mm-hmm. but it's totally $4. worth. What, how much? Four dollars, three ninety nine. I think I got it on like sale or whatever, mm-hmm. but I would pay that to just <laughs> sweep <laughs> some people off just of for a cliff. A wall sweeper game, dude. It's so good. It made me think. Like now that you say that, I was like, we need to make an app where basically. Yeah. It's just a sweep. Like you can just put different things. You can put coins and sweep those off. You can put uh, what else? Candy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I, I did sweep get, people. I did get obsessed with a uh, with a game for a few weeks called um, Gardenscapes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically a it's basically Candy Crush, except instead of like moving through a candy uh, land type level thing board, mm-hmm. you're, uh, <laughs> you're repairing a garden, <laughs> an old mansion. You're repairing a garden. Yeah. So it's like this debris needs to be cleaned up. Beat a level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I played that for way longer than I should have. I think I played it up until like 80, 90 levels. Oh, dude, if you if we just made an app where basically the the whole screen is just a dirty room and you have to like straighten it with your thumb and like sweep right. corners yeah. and just get everything pristine and you won't be able to beat it until you've cleaned every last piece of dirt. Yeah. So even if you've missed a corner, right. you'll just have to like I think people would go crazy for it. Sure. That's like the cookie clicker game. Have you heard of that? No. It's a game where it's like, it's like what the, all the Katamari, the mobile Katamari game is. Um, but the, I think it started with, it's something called cookie clickers. It's literally just on your computer. Uh, maybe it's just like a blank screen. And every time you click, you get one cookie. <laughs> So the faster you click, the more cookies you get. And then you can like turn in a bunch of cookies to get two cookies per click. So you turn all those in, then you get every time you click, you get two cookies. It just keeps building on itself. And that's literally all it is. And so you're clicking like in each click is like a million cookies, but you're trying to get like a quadruple you're trying to get an infinite amount of cookies at this point it's just like pointless <laughs> that is the most like depressing dystopian like <laughs> just click hey keep clicking you yeah. get more fake cookies it's yeah. like really okay done yeah i'll just click here i want to get infinite cookies that is hilarious um last question sure you're gonna watch legion what's that fx comic book is that the there's a comic book called legion yeah about uh he's linked to the x-men universe no i'm comic books i'm not watching it. why'd you say no i'm not watching it if it has anything to do with comic books i'm not watching it i i I was thinking of legion and like isn't there like a biblical legion right that's what i was demons like demons yeah well this kind of references uh so Legion is a Marvel. Yeah, but it's part of that universe, right? Yeah. So if yeah, I want to watch Legion, I'm no, get, now I've got to watch Daredevil. No, it's connected Jessica to Jones. X-Men. It's okay, connected well, to X-Men. Not, I haven't watched the X-Men movies. Not them. Um, the last one I saw was X2. 
but it has uh oh wait i don't think this is gonna <laughs> never mind i was gonna say what's the tom hardy show on fx that everyone's raving about taboo right? but i will say uh noah hawley i think his name is the guy who did um fargo which i think is the best I watched fargo exactly it's i think it's the best tv show of the last like it's better than breaking bad uh, it's probably, uh, it's probably the best show since going back to Deadwood and, mm-hmm. and, uh, the wire. Uh, but he is doing Legion as well. So I'm super interested because he's involved with Legion, uh, and it's Dan Stevens and it looks really I just good. Want the, I just want the comic books to give it a rest. Just Again, take a great break. early buzz. Take a break. Like, wouldn't you much rather have that guy be doing his own show that's completely his own? It's not based on Fargo. It's not based on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. With what he's been doing with Fargo. This is his original vision. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I enjoy enjoy a good story. I I read the Vision comic book, the the, the new Vision graphic novel uh-huh. series it's like a revamp or something like it's that. super good it's super good i saw something about it yeah it's really good so i don't know i'm interested in good stories so i mean like i agree that that you know we have been burnt out in as a culture i think in what we've been getting but i think we're we're i'm interested in where we're heading to because i think people are finally starting to tell different stories or understanding what people are liking and i've actually been getting more and more interested i mean if you look ahead i loved civil war way more than i thought i would guardians of the galaxy 2 i'm super interested in um i actually think some of the superhero stuff coming up is some of the stuff i'm most most interested that's me well, maybe it's because our president's a supervillain. <laughs> exactly. That that's. I mean, I think it's interesting for me to think about like, why am I gravitating towards the stories that I am? How much of it is tied to the political atmosphere? How much of it is me wanting to escape versus mm-hmm. be more informed? I think for me, I think what bothers me about it so much is the inevitability of it, and it's like. Sure, if you have a story to tell, then tell it. But I'm having a hard time that t- believing that that this story is naturally occurring to you every 12 months. You know what I'm saying? Like in the Star Wars, in the Star Wars universe, it's like now we, we've got a Star Wars movie for the next 10 years, right? Yeah. Or or however long. It's like the the last one just came out. And like, look, I don't watch Star Wars. I don't watch the Marvel stuff. I'm getting all this from from Reddit is where I get most of my my stuff. Most of anything from Reddit. And it's like, everything on Reddit was like Rogue One. And then as soon as Rogue One came out, it was like the next week, it was like, (laughs) we have the official (laughs) title for Star Wars 9 or whatever it is. And it's just like, I'm now going to have to sit through 11 months Uh, of this. It's episode 8, by the way. Whatever, right? You, You know what I'm saying? They're like, if you have a Star Wars story to tell, then be my guest listen but it's like i have a hard time believing that that story is naturally occurring and coming to you 
every 12 months. I I will have a problem in 12 years when we're getting the spin-off from the bassoon player in uh in the uh in the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. They're just like we've exhausted the characters. Let's uh let's keep exploring though. Um but for now I I still I I'm I don't prejudge properties on you know superhero marvel whatever it's like ryan johnson wrote and directed the next star wars i'm excited about that phil lord and i'd rather have a looper movie you, you know in the yeah, sense but, but, that but i'd what rather if this have this is you're, 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 but it's you're not, not because it's a star wars movie he wrote and directed it like this is his vision but like it's a it, star wars movie it, he's still adhering to characters that he didn't create right you know, storylines that he didn't create, universes that he didn't create. Like, he's connecting the dots, basically. He's not yeah. creating the dots, yeah. right? That's all I want. He could still do a good job. And, and, I mean, it's just, again, just like with La La Land, it's not for me. It's for other people, great, good for you. I don't want to see it, right? How many Star Wars films have you seen? I've seen at least the first three. Are we doing uh, the last season of Leftovers? I don't want to. I'll say that. Why not? I just—I th- I thought you both came out positive on the last ep- uh, season. No, I didn't like the last season. I mean, I didn't like the last season. I don't like the Leftovers. <laughs> I don't know why at this point. Like, it's been too long, but I mean, I guess I'll watch it. I'd give okay. it a shot at least. Yeah. It's coming up. Yeah. I watched the teaser, I think. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Leftovers is. I mean, I guess if anything, it's the last season. Yeah. Take comfort in that. I think the real question is, is Preacher, right? Is that even coming back? It's been radio silent. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll see. Yeah, I just have a hard time watching stuff, I guess. You do. I don't know why. Yeah, you have a hard time not just leveling up your Overwatch character. <laughs> right. We're getting infinite cookies. It's not just completely scabbed over, but it's like in parts looks like it's healed, right? Like it still obviously looks fresh, but it doesn't even look like it would start bleeding, right? So I take him in Saturday, have it changed. They wrap his head differently. And um, this time it's like, it's like instead of, 
instead of holding pinning the ear back with mm-hmm. the wrap, they like bunched it up <laughs> and just made like a hole so air could still get in because if you cover it up, he'll get an ear infection. Like a Princess Leia bun? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, so that held for, that was on Saturday. So that held until, uh, Monday maybe. And then, and he was shaking his head a lot, mm-hmm. but the ear wasn't coming out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but then eventually like on Monday, like it came out and because of the way they wrapped it, there was no way for me to rewrap it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up just taking the whole thing off. I imagine it's like a piece of origami comes like undone and then you just you're never getting it right. back into the dragon, exactly. Exactly. the dragon shape. Um, so I rewrap it. So I take the wrap off and I'm looking at it and it's still like I said, it looks it looks better. Of course, it's been a couple of days later, um, but it does look like if he shakes his head really good, which is what he's been doing. Like it could start bleeding again. His whole head's gonna fall off. Yeah. <laughs> so I call the vet. I'm like, hey, um, his bandage came off. The last time I was in there, he told me to. Uh, the last time I was in there, he told me to come back in if his ear if his ear'd come out, um, and it wasn't um close to the date of having his sutures removed, which is next week. So should I come back in and have it rewrapped? And they're like, yeah, come back in. So I bring him in. I think it was Monday. It was like at Monday night that I brought him in at like nine o'clock. And this place is packed for some reason, super busy. So this is my third time. It's not supposed to, he's not supposed to be in there and they're super busy and it's like a free thing. Like you just walk in and they do it. And when he comes back out, his literally his entire head is wrapped. They leave no openings for his ears. The entire thing is just wrapped. His one ear that didn't have surgery is sticking out, but it's like slowly being pinned back by the bandage. Right. So it's just like, all right, well, whatever. They're the vet. I'm just not going to worry about it. So he has that on for a couple of days. And yesterday... Um, so the band is, like I said, it's kind of like slowly shifting backwards and it's starting to pin his ear, his Mm -hmm. other ear down. So I'm constantly trying to pull it forward, pull it forward, pull it forward. And then last, uh, yesterday evening I come out and the entire thing has literally just like slid down his (laughs) neck and it's just like, he's just wearing like a, like a scarf basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And both his ears are sticking out. So just like, forget it. And I just cut it off and they had that one bandage just on the tip of his ear and so that's just been there and it seems fine uh so i'm just gonna leave it he like looks that. great yeah <laughs> i'm mean, looking at it right now right and and the right now the only problem is he shakes a little bit mm-hmm. but for the most part you can catch it uh i just and i just don't think that entire huge bandage thing is a is a big deal yeah can i can i say that the way that he's been responding from what i see Mm-hmm. is a testament to your ownership uh-huh. of, of him because this is notoriously like a very nervous dog. Right. This is a dog who <laughs> went through a mysterious hair loss phase right. for God knows right. what, what slight right. and against No, no him. one really knew what it was. It no was one allergies. Knew. It was some disease. No one knows. <laughs> and, uh, but here he is going through probably the most befuddling time of his entire dog life yeah 
and I don't see any bald patches on his body. Right. <laughs> he seems to be kind of, you know, living with it pretty well. Yeah. Um, so kudos to you, friend. Yeah, he's handling it well for the most part. Um, like I said, he hasn't really been bothered. Other than shaking his head, it just kind of seems annoying. Although I will say the very first night, he was miserable. Right. And he was whining so much mm. that I had to go back to the vet to get more pain medicine. Which was strange because they were like, when I picked him up, they were like, um, here's his antibiotics. Give him this tonight. Give his first one to him tonight. Um, and then they're like, and here's his pain medicine. Don't start giving this to him until tomorrow because we gave him some stuff earlier and he'll be fine. Mm. I was like, okay. And then as soon as I got him home, it's just like the entire night he was whining nonstop. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, okay, I don't, Poor think, guy. I don't think he's fine. So let yeah. me go get something else. But yeah, he's been, he's been handling it well after that. You know what I, um, I mean, we, we really do this for free. You know, we don't have sponsorship at all, but as a, as a lover of podcasts, you know what I, I miss that we don't get to do? Hmm. It's the transitions from things like this into an ad. But then you, know, you get to pause and comment about how smooth the transition was. Right. Or, you know, if I could jump in right now and be like, you know, speaking of lumps, great, <laughs> grape nuts is a great. Uh-huh. And then I would pause and be like, Justin, uh, did you see? Or right. you could jump in at that point and be like, oh, Keith, nice. Right. That's, I think that's what we're missing. Right. We're Check m- out Nature Box's cheesy puff <laughs> lumps or whatever they sell. Yes. <laughs> but Speaking not, of my dog's fatty tumors. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that's the one thing that we're missing is just the ability to mm-hmm. make a transition and then comment on the, tr- on the right. transition. I feel like that is... A podcast staple. Oh, that is, yeah. that's what people have come to expect out of their podcasts. If you're not pausing to comment on right. your smooth transition, you're not, you're not podcasting. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Right. Yeah, so we're kind of just uh, shooting the shit until Rob gets on, right? So there's a couple things we can talk about. Um, I, I, have a, uh, I have a note here that I made with a handful of um, creative ideas I've Ooh. been storing that we can talk about. Can you read them um, like Job Gob Bluth? <laughs> Just, I want to hear all 27 rattled off. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I wish I could, but instead I feel like there's a lot of backstory to some of them. Oh, one of them's um, not F Mountain? No, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, we can talk about hypernormalization. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. When did you you watch? And I now understand everything. (laughs) Your eyes have been opened. Yeah, from (laughs) 1975 on, Uh things are pretty clear. Yeah, I made it about an hour. I told you I was trying to. Uh, I was dreading it. I mean, it's a three-hour-long conspiracy theory documentary. Which can you call that a documentary, right? If it's heavily reliant on conspiracy theories. I mean, what does documentary mean? Yeah. Okay. But it's three hours long and approximately 30 to 45 minutes in, there's a pretty abrupt jump from like Assad and Syria and how uh, how the how the leadership in Syria has gone from this optimistic world changing viewpoint to pessimistic, pessimistic, everyone must die. 
the creation of suicide bombers. Uh, and it jumps pretty abruptly to like technology and like I'm kind of doing data entry at the same time and I've got it on my phone. So I'm like listening and sort of checking in. And, and it very abruptly, all of a sudden, I realize I'm like, I'm watching and listening to a clip of Tron. And I just <laughs> right. was like, okay, I'll give this a few more minutes to see if I can catch up. <laughs> and after now, I just was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I, this is going to require a lot more concentration than, uh, you know, even the soul sucking uh, uh, of data entry, right? I feel like I can pay attention when I'm doing data entry, mm-hmm. but I feel like this requires not, the utmost. Not when they jump. Well, surprisingly, I don't think that it does. I think that's I think that's the thing about this documentary is, and part of me, I, I don't know what the, I don't know in what spirit it was made in. Like it feels kind right. of like a joke. At certain points, like he basically uses uh, as an example of, you know, kind of progressive liberal activists of the 60s, their retreat um, from their agenda and their utopia Mm -hmm. uses, you know, Jane Fonda in her workout videos. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, so I mean, like, that's that's true of Jane Fonda. I mean, I don't know what right broader. I mean, it, it. I just feel like you need you need a little more of a context clue than Jane Fonda's progression. Um, and part of me was wondering, like, was he? Did he use Jane Fonda because she really was the best example, or because he could then use Jane Fonda workout video footage, right? Which would bring a little sizzle or mm-hmm. pop to his, you know, stuff. And like even the YouTube videos that he uses, did you see? Like he uses the um, like I think I remember watching like one of the early ones where it's like these three kids like doing this very like disaffected dance, like to this um, pop song. Did you get to that part? It's like three uh, young kids and they're doing this like basic dance routine sounds familiar because what was i there was definitely a part where it's like oh the part the disaffected part that i saw was about russia becoming disaffected and he was sharing clips of russians and there's one russian woman who's Uh like i don't care about you i don't don't care about anybody i don't care about anything anything. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean i guess i because you know, I watch the whole thing. I guess my my hot take on it is, I don't know what to do with people who, um, you know, kind of offer an alternative version of history or social theory mm-hmm. that causes you to kind of reject and rethink a lot of the popular thought on things mm-hmm. by offering you their perspective on things you know it's kind of like the person who's like dude everything in our culture is lying to you bro you're just a sheep man being led by corporations right and you're like okay man what so what what do i need to focus on they're like dude crystals will clear your mind Mm. and help you refocus your energy and you're like okay i mean i don't i was with you 
maybe for a little bit, but I don't know where where to parse out your kind of oh that's a that's a good observation from oh, this is you you know at two o'clock in the morning after a few joints and a beer, and now you're just you're just going for it, man. So it's right. like good good for you, like keep going um and that's kind of how I feel like with him like his his connections to pop culture i feel like are the are the reaches that he makes i'm like is he just trying to be relatable does he really believe these things like i don't know right. what his intention is but his, his political um perspective was was convincing mm-hmm. um and a lot of it is because i wasn't alive in the 70s so i don't I can't fact check everything. I wasn't there. Right. But he seems to have a kind of comprehensive, you know, view on the Middle East, which is interesting. Yeah. That was the other thing that lost me is I'm just not smart enough to, like, be informed. I'm just not smart enough to follow along with all of these different connections. Like, it's jumping around so much that, like, I just don't know enough about all this stuff to, like know whether or not these connections you're making are like truly like uh you know as dismal as you're making them out to be or if it's just a crazy like you said a crazy person who's like stoned out of his gourd (laughs) well yeah part of me thinks like you you can have like you can be on a piece of the truth there you know but it's not the whole picture I'm, i'm not sure that he would claim to be presenting the whole picture but um i don't i don't think that you know he's necessarily wrong in what he's said or he's maybe way off base in his views of Gaddafi, which i thought were really interesting i don't think you got to there but it's mm-hmm. kind of like how that was right when i turned it off yeah how, how he was used by the west mm-hmm. by us mm-hmm. and by um tony blair and bush mm-hmm. And that stuff was all compelling. And I was like, okay, like you could absolutely be right about all of that. Yeah. But I don't know that then when you connect that to our hyper normalization Mm. world that I'm with you there because like part of it is they still uses the term. Oh man, this is what he said in, um, with the Tron piece, cyber. Cyber optics, uh, yeah. It's optics was some sort of group or gang or something. Yeah, like, and it's like old school language right. on like the cyber realm, you right. know. And he and he still kind of holds true to that all the way through. And it's like, well, man, Tron didn't really work out. And I know that you're going to say like, man, facing the phones, dude. That's all it is, man. Mm-hmm. It's people escaping, but it's like my face is in my phone, like watching the Trump, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a press conference or yeah. you know reading an article or like it's not it's not all like tron escapism like yeah. that doesn't that doesn't hold you like tron is no longer a good kind of reference point right. when you're talking about the cyber world you know it just feels like uh like a um like an old guy like yeah trying to to make a uh a connection and using like it's like aol mm-hmm. you know and you're just like well and ultimately, it all is supposed to tie into Trump, right? Because the thing oh, yeah. opens by saying, by declaring that it'll be an explanation of how Trump rose to power. Yeah, I and, think right. Yeah, and that and the, it's but again, it's all it's all. I, I don't. 
I guess I don't buy with his unifying theory of everything, but mm-hmm. his take on everything seems well researched and stuff. Like his his rise of Trump is, you know, yeah, pretty much he was an unscrupulous right. businessman and uh, knows how to play a wicked kind of PR game. Yeah. Which do you buy that? Do you buy into that? I, I have a game? hard I have a hard time believing that Trump is a smart anything. Uh, I have a yeah, hard time believing no. that that any sort of success Trump has, he has completely stumbled L- into. Listen, our systems are that stupid, right? That's what it is, and that and that's the other thing that I have to say against conspiracy theorists is our the greatest scariest system you can imagine is built on a profound stupidity, mm-hmm. and so I don't buy. This kind of millennia old, like cabal that's mm-hmm. like meeting and directing all world affairs. I mean, it's like we as a species are too stupid. And we've reiterated that fact in reality every generation. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it just takes money, right? I, I think that yeah, people yeah, but, would argue but, that it's not intelligence that are linking all these people together, it's money. I mean, you can't deny that the media landscape is controlled by a very small amount of people. Yeah. But again, it's getting smaller. Yeah. But again, those people I would still put as profoundly self-interested. Sure. And stupid. Like their, their driving force is power. And they're super rich. I mean, that's the point. Yeah. I don't think anybody's arguing that they're really smart. I think it's just that they're super rich and controlling. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree with that. But I mean, but in order to tip that power and wealth over into something sinister and conspiratorially linked and and mm-hmm. focused takes intelligence that I would argue okay. is not at work at those levels. How did you hear about the documentary? It's on we watch it on YouTube. It's a BBC documentary. It's not available here. Yeah. Or I, I watched it on YouTube, what yeah. I did watch of it. Yeah. It's that, available on YouTube, mm-hmm. I'm guessing illegally. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's I, not officially uploaded by anybody. Yeah, I heard it uh, linked on a podcast. And, okay. And they were like, Chris Marker, I forget. I don't think it's Chris Marker. But the, the guy who made hypernormalization, they're like, he's relatively seems okay with it, is what, uh-huh. how they put it. So oh, okay. I jumped on there and, and watched it. I mean... It would feel kind of odd for that kind of a documentary for him to get pissed off that right. everyone can access it. I mean, he's, that's kind <laughs> of his argumentation is like, we need to be aware yeah. of all this stuff. Yeah. I heard about it on Mark Maron's podcast. Do you talk about it? Or? Well, I don't listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll just check in on it when I see an article about, hey, here's an interesting guest, which even now I'm just like, the last one I listened to was um, Robbie Robertson. Because yeah. I really like the band, and it was just like so boring and so like it it wasn't anything that I hadn't already heard before. Like as someone who's like watched the last waltz relentlessly and like listened to commentary and read books and all this stuff, like it was all stuff that I'd heard before, right. which I guess is to be expected. But it was just like like Mark Maron himself seemed so tuned out and just like. It's 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 truly gotten to a point of like, it's like like he's Terry Gross. Yeah, you know if, what I mean, it's yeah, just the job at this point. If you go to the to the beginnings of WTF, you have a guy who's hanging on yeah. 
to like trying to scratch out right. something and like being open and honest in a way that is like really interesting and compelling. And then as he got bigger, you do see this move towards the middle where mm-hmm. it's like, and it's like, why wouldn't he? Like he has a TV show. Now he has an image that he needs to hold up. Like he's not going to get Louis CK on, on there anymore and basically break down like right. on air. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like there is that kind of natural progression. I hope that it's not, you know, a kind of rubbernecking, you know, kind of, uh, seed in my life to be like, but I just think that it's, it's honest. Like he could still be honest. I think at this level and I would listen, mm-hmm. but I'm not hearing it. I'm hearing more of like, yeah, it's just become routine. More exactly. Um, but he, he kind of brought it up in passing. I can't remember which episode it was. Maybe it was like Casey Affleck. It was a long time ago. Um, but he just brought it up in passing. He's like, I wa- I finally saw whoever is his name Mark. I want to say his name is Mark. Whoever made yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw whoever's documentary hypernormalization. He said something like, I don't know if it has all the answers, but uh, it's got a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll try and check that out. Yeah. Uh, and and I tried to watch it then, uh, but I tried to watch it with Julia, right? And we watched maybe like, because the opening is pretty gnarly. There's some there's some there's some kind of rough stuff in the opening. Oh yeah, it right? starts on a bloody yeah. smear. In so I think house. we saw that and it was kind of like, all right, this is not probably not <laughs> something we'll watch together and right. turned it off. But that's all I saw. But this, so then I followed it up, you know, today a little bit. All right. Um So let's so let me share some of these ideas I've got with you. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to uh, step on your toes. <clears throat> so these first two are music video ideas. Okay. That I've had written down for a long time. Okay. And I obviously will never direct a music video. Uh, so feel free, whoever's why listening. You, why would you put that ceiling on yourself? <laughs> so this first one um, was inspired by a music video for the band Bully, right? Okay. Uh, they've got a song called Trying. It was like their first big song. Bully is a female-fronted band. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was their big hit like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I watched the video for it. And it's just this totally average black and white video. The band goes to a either abandoned or closed like circus. And they just are at the circus going on rides mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's pretty much the video, novel, right? Yes. And at some, but at some point, the singer gets on the tilt a whirl, I think it's called, where they just spin you around, uh-huh. and she's just spinning around the band, and they just spin around, right? So I thought it would be a good idea for a music video if, and this is what both, this is what a lot of these ideas are predicated on. I have, um, I've I've gotten really. I really like this, uh, sh- this sort of structure that the best show has implemented with the Sharpling Oyster calls, mm-hmm. where it's like fifteen minutes of complete seriousness, and then you get the reveal, and then the rest of the call is, is a complete, uh, like absurdist mm-hmm. joke, right? For better or worse, I kind of find myself defaulting to that. So with the video, I thought it would be funny if it was just this standard video, right? For the first, let's say the song's four minutes. 
for the first two and a half minutes, you just get this standard video. Let me stop you there and say I love it so far. <laughs> and then the band, two and a half minutes in, right? You're thinking, oh, this is just a normal music video, whatever. It's not, it's not great. It's not terrible, whatever. They get on this tilt roll right? And the tilt roll starts going around. And then for the last like minute of the video, it's just all of them on the tilt roll spinning around incredibly fast and throwing up everywhere. <laughs> the singer is still trying to sing while throwing up. And maybe it's even like slowly filling up the tilt roll kind of like the um, Strokes video uh-huh. where they drowned, you know? And then by the I, end I was of the thinking video, more like, like Radiohead where his head is in a tank. I'm not familiar just with that coming video. Up with water. Okay. But there's the strokes video, right? Where they're playing in like some sewer or something and it mm-hmm. starts filling up with dirty water. That's kind of what I was thinking of. Um, any thoughts? Yes or no? So is I this, definitely think it would be better than just a band at an abandoned circus for four minutes doing so nothing. So is this like stylized vomit? Is it like Yeah, it's like Saturday Night Live Conan vomit where it's like you pretty can obviously know like that a, a tube hose. is in somebody's mouth. They're yeah. like right next to their mouth. Yeah, it's not like so, realistic. So we're not going like chunky, like gross sure. out. We're just no. doing like yeah. streaming. It just is. I think it just would be funny to see people fake vomiting for two minutes straight. Yeah, I think I like. I the, like the unrelentlessness of it. Right. That's right. what I like. I, yeah, I like thinking about them turning their heads and you know the sure. what you could get by the puke. Spring and it's also people. like this band is on a tilt war for two minutes spinning around. Like, come on. I, you want me to believe that they're just singing a song for two minutes on a tilt war? Someone's going to some get point. sick, right? Yes. Okay. Speaking of sick, did my, I think my dog just farted. I, I immediately started breathing <laughs> through my mouth. Um, okay, and then the second one is based on an ACDC video. Okay. Um. And it's the same concept, right? Of like they start throwing up. <laughs> well, I mean, the it's the same concept starts. in that it, you've got a pretty much a straight video for okay. three minutes, right? Which is more or less what this video is. I felt like they just didn't take it far enough. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a video for the song "If You Want Blood, You've Got It." Okay. And what's strange about it is like this song came out in like the late seventies before they were like making music videos. So somebody had to at some point like go back and just recut a bunch of live footage together and mm-hmm. make it a music video. And that's what this music video is. It's just them performing the song. Uh, but then at the end, like the last 30 seconds, um, out of nowhere, Bon Scott grabs Angus Young's guitar and rams it through his stomach. Okay. And it comes out through his back. I like it. And he's bleeding everywhere. And it's super gross and graphic, uh-huh. right? But then it just cuts back to... The regular band, Angus Young, including playing the song live, and then it cuts, keeps cutting back and forth in between that and Angus Young, like, like holding a bloody guitar in his stomach and like fake dying. Uh-huh. It's just, this is weird, right? So I think what they should have done, or what a band should do now, is basically do that. You got a four-minute song, have three minutes of just the, a live performance or whatever, and then at the three-minute mark somebody stabs somebody else with a guitar, right? But then instead of it just like you just like going back to the regular performance, like pretending like it didn't happen, have the person who stabbed like just like keep playing as they're stabbed, right? And then have right. somebody else 
like stabs somebody else. And then eventually by the end of the song, you've got everyone is like more or less murdered by their instruments, but they're still playing it somehow. Yeah. A band half did that idea. Oh, did they? Uh Uh-huh. It's a band called Pup. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know Pup. And the the song's called If This Tour Doesn't Kill You. But don't they just get beat up a lot? They beat the crap out of each other with their, their, and they end up in like the hospital. But I think they kill one of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well there you go. They're ahead of you. They are ahead of me. Okay, now these other ones are about short stories. What if you, what if, um, normal concert footage mm-hmm. takes a guitar, hits the other band member, other band members a pinata, <laughs> and out pours candy, uh-huh. and then. He realizes that if one of his band members is a pinata, mm-hmm. then maybe the other ones might be pinatas too. Yeah, and but they're not. And he just ends up exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but they're not, and they're trying uh-huh. to convince him for the rest of the song that they are not pinatas. Uh-huh. Or what if it then turns into uh, like Netflix true crime series? <laughs> <laughs> no, it turns into a castle episode. Right. <laughs> Okay, these next ones are short story ideas. So there are ideas that I've had that I think are good enough to be written out, but I've gotten lazy enough that I just haven't done it. So the first one is about a guy. uh, So I am imagining it opens with this long sort of rant about, and this just came up recently. I can't remember who said it. I wish I could now. Um. And who was it? Was it Hitler? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> uh, He's in the news a lot today. Yeah. So um, but it's a but this guy opens up right with this rant about how it's always Tim Cook. That's who said it. It's always the richest people in the world who tell you that money doesn't make you happy, right? Yes. Tim Cook just recently came out and said like. If you're if you're living just to make an earning, you're doing it wrong or something like that. And it's like it's easy for someone who's worth billions <laughs> of dollars to say who literally doesn't have to work to earn a living. Right. Um, and that's always very frustrating to listen, me. Right. Listen, I, I'm going to go. I, I think it's very brave of him to say. Right. Very exactly. brave. So, yes, carry, carry on. Very please. original. Very inspiring. Very strong. Right? He's really stepping out on the edge there. Yeah. If you're living to just provide for your family and that's it, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So it kind of starts with that, right? This guy, he's, he's complaining about, uh, you know, the richest people always saying stuff like that. And then it's sort of exploring this guy's life. And, and ultimately, it turns out that um, he has, he's constantly complaining about not having enough money, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe these points are right about... Uh, people with the most money not having the correct, not having uh, a, a, an, a, an applicable perspective for regular people. But he also has like severe money problems. Yeah. And, like he's constantly like, like, not, I'm, I'm sorry, not severe money problems, but like small enough money problems in different areas that like if he just cut that stuff out, he would be totally fine. Right. Right. So like, I was thinking like daily fantasy stuff, like overextending himself in daily fantasy. Um, also like uh, 
comparing that to like uh, prosperity gospel stuff, right? Like kind of like, I don't necessarily believe in this, but just in case. Cover my bases. Right. I'm just going to cover my bases. Stuff like that. Gambling, stuff like that. You know, like uh, constantly like buying stuff on sale and then reselling it on eBay. I just thought that would be something that I could explore a little bit in a short story. Yeah. Yeah. Is his name Keith Krepko? <laughs> yeah. His name is Justin Blizzard, as a matter of fact. Oh. Uh, maybe, um, maybe you should just, I like it. My only note is combine our names. Sure. For, right. the, for the character. Um, another story that I thought would be interesting that I thought the premise was interesting, but I really had no idea what to do with it. So I haven't worked on it at all. So it's about um, a utilities worker, right? We'll just say sewer utilities because that's what I'm familiar with. And he uh, gets called out to, <laughs> um, he gets called out to a like sewer pump station to work overtime. Like there's an alarm or something. He has to go out there at like two o'clock in the morning or something. When he's out at the station, he starts to hear voices, right? And uh, eventually he realizes that the voice is the sewer pump station itself, right? And not just the sewer pump station, but it's the wet well, right? And the wet well is like the place where the sewage runs through, basically. Uh So at some point he goes down into the wet well and he comes like back out and he's like covered in human waste, right? Mm -hmm. But I just didn't know where. And then I wanted to turn him into some sort of like serial criminal right but not like a not like a killer just because i feel like that's too dark does he get turned by going into the wet well i mean kind of that's the right like that kind of right like he's kind of like lost his mind right but i just thought it would be funny to have like a serial criminal whose defining factor is like his face is caked in shit basically (laughs) (laughs) can you can can i can i throw a note at you for this story Can you open the story with what causes the alarm to go off at the station? Like, just start it with, like, a guy named Hank who's, like, Uh on a first date. And he's, like, (laughs) just stuck in the bathroom trying to go as fast as he can. And he did, like, an early wipe. And he's already on, like, used a whole roll. of You know? And uh, he's the guy who finally, like, tips the... uh, entire system over the edge mm-hmm. and uh that precipitates all of this yeah so we can kind of show the uh, culpability of the everyday man mm-hmm. in uh in this huge reaching kind of impact because i because yeah he has to turn into like a scourge of the city right yeah I, yeah i i i feel like I, I mean that's the problem that i had like i, I mean like maybe you could turn him into like a like a like a serial like like a like he just robs stores or something, but I just didn't know where to go. I just liked the premise, right? Yes. I, and I got that far, and I just had no idea what to do with it. So it's it's stalled mm. out since then. Yeah, I think if you bring in the guy who causes this whole thing, yeah, I think that might bring you some clarity because maybe uh maybe he goes on a, a mission of revenge. Maybe he turns into a a, a castle esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but bad character. Sure. What if uh, what if a, a CBS primetime uh, 
cop procedural mm-hmm. was actually from the perspective of a low-level criminal. Yeah. Or <laughs> what if this is my superhero story, right? Yeah. This is my chance to get all of my feelings about superhero stories out, right? And I make a superhero shit face, right? Or whatever his name is. But he's like yeah. literally just a guy with crap on his face, but he's a superhero. And like that somehow gives him a superpower, whatever that superpower I mean, is. is he a, is he a real hero or in his mind here? That's for you to decide, reader. Oh, <laughs> this has to be a graphic novel too, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. All right. There's there's my last note. <laughs> All right. I'm going to bring I'm going to we're going to take a break and bring Rob in. I was sharing some ideas I had for short stories. Uh, I think we cracked at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple left. All right. So, one of the other ideas I have now that Rob is with us is um, so there's one this is just the idea it, itself I heard somebody say this I can't remember if it was I heard somebody say it when I was out in public somewhere and it was just snowing here recently a few weeks ago right and someone was talking about how it hadn't snowed this hard since uh the blizzard was in town in the 80s right uh-huh. and so i thought uh, it uh, maybe uh, w- i i had the question of maybe this isn't even like a is this a good idea it's a question <laughs> is this a good idea a serial killer story that takes place in a circus that uh, people are trapped in because of a blizzard so wait, did the people go to the circus knowing that a blizzard? Was I don't know. I mean, that's uh, on yes, its way. It, well, <laughs> that's a good question. No, no, no. Of course not. No, they get trapped in there. Oh, right? it's a surprise blizzard. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's in the eighties too, right? It's like we don't have all this technology now, so maybe they were just like, yeah, a little bit of snow's coming. But then, you but why a circus? If the circus was in town, according to this person, in some waiting room. Is it is you said the blizzard was in town. The circus had, was in town when a blizzard came. Oh, you said yes. we haven't had this much snow since the blizzard was in town. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Since the circus was in town See, I, I in thought the eighties. I thought you were going to go with like, could I make a story about a killer blizzard that was called the blizzard? Like <laughs> um we thought that was way cooler. Yes. Than so, the circus. So wait. So you want a story about a killer blizzard that people just refer to as the blizzard, the blizzard. <laughs> written by Justin. So blizzard. is the blizzard manifesting itself in some like physical form outside of just that's what a I'm lot saying. Snow? That's what I'm saying. It, it it ends up being an actual force. I like the idea of people being trapped in a circus. Okay. Because of a blizzard, uh-huh. an unexpected blizzard. And then it's revealed that there's a serial killer. Yeah, on the is list. it is it just gonna end up being one of the clowns or a carny? No, they can be whoever you want. This is our story. Well, yeah, right? that, I like the idea of someone who is a serial killer only during blizzards. <laughs> like it just wakes up the uh, uncontrollable. Hey, there you go, Rob. You did it. So like 
you know, there's one person in particular who keeps like excusing himself. And he's obviously getting agitated uh, as the blizzard gets closer and closer. And then mm-hmm. as soon as somebody looks outside, they're like, it's a blizzard. And they yell it. He just, he snaps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the blizzard's in town. There you go. That's your worst one. Okay. <laughs> but we still cracked it. It's also Rob, my least developed. So I'm well, yeah, fine with that. Well, it's a blizzard and a circus. It's it's not re- you you just kind of put two <laughs> Well, sure, two that's nouns. what I'm saying. Someone said it like in a waiting room somewhere and I just was like that could be a good idea. It's a mad lib that asks for two sure, nouns. Sure. With no connecting words. All right. But I felt like it could have been like a good like throwback like strangers thing esque right like throwback to like 80s cinema come back when you uh throw in a few more adjectives all right (laughs) and a verb or two give me a verb all right last i have two more but this is uh this is also one that's not developed that much it just was an idea i had so what about a story it's kind of like It's kind of like it's a wonderful life. Okay. Right? Is that the story? It's very specific. Is that like the story? That's the story where the guy dies. Well, he, he, he's he about to, to see what his life would be mm-hmm. like if he wasn't alive. Yes. Right? So it's if a, he'd never been born, not like if he okay, died. Okay, right. It's a wonderful life except with your shadow. <laughs> So, so <laughs> instead of seeing what your life is like if you'd never been born, your shadow disattaches itself from you, right? And starts to live the life that you kind of wish you had lived, right? It's kind of like a midlife crisis story. Yeah. Like a string theory kind of thing, like the like something I mean, else that Yeah, kind of except a branching it's your, path. It's your shadow and it also turns out that your shadow has a really bad, like, Family Guy-esque sense of humor. Can, can we go back to the uh, ACDC <laughs> band members being pinatas? <laughs> that, sure. So, wait, uh, oh, here's my question. So, is the, is the guy watching his shadow live just interacting with other shadows? I well, mean, he loses, no, he loses... I mean, look, there's a bit of absurdist to it, obviously, right? It's not meant to be the most realistic thing in the world. The guy loses his shadow, right? His shadow leaves. His shadow revolts against the lifestyle he's chosen, right? And then he starts seeing it around town doing all the stuff that okay. he wish he could do. Listen, Justin, get out get out a scratch piece of paper. Uh-huh. Get a pencil. I'm going to uh-huh. give you a... This is what you need to write down. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. We're going to combine your last two ideas. Uh-huh. And his shadow is the guy that's is making the murders. Here's the thing. His shadow is a murdering shadow. Mm-hmm. And he needs to keep his shadow under control. But the only way he can do that is by managing his position in the light to keep his shadow kind of smaller than him. Mm-hmm. But if ever light moves and casts a bigger shadow than him mm-hmm. his shadow is going to overpower him. so here's a guy that who, seems impossible exactly he walks outside and it's sundown and the sun hits and makes a shadow really big behind him and, and we're all screwed uh-huh so uh, it seems like a video game mechanic that could go somewhere yeah he's trying to control the size of his shadow because it's a murdering shadow okay and he goes to a circus in a blizzard 
And now he's going to be stuck when the sun's out. Okay. So the last two, I'll just take off the... The last two can just be thrown onto the heap. No, I did it. Okay. We need those two to get to where we are now. <laughs>